We want when people come here, this to be an overwhelming sense of home. Because biblical Christianity at its core is relational. If you are going to lead, you have to first be, you have to first be led. Hey, welcome to Lead Talks of the Craigs. My name's Craig Mosgrove. And I'm Chad Craig. Yeah, we're so excited to be back with you for Season 3, Episode 2 here on Lead Talks with the Craigs. You know, our byline for our, our entire podcast has yep. been, in order to lead, you must first be led. Yes. Right? But at this specific season, we're highlighting that phrase. In order to lead, you must first be led. We're talking about the leadership of the Holy Spirit, Pastor Chad. Right. What do you think of when you think of leadership of the Holy Spirit? Man, that's a big, big topic to, to discuss, right? Yeah, but it, it needs to be discussed. Yeah. That's what I think about is yeah. how lacking pneumatology yeah practically yeah and experientially is in western christianity you know so yeah and if you're new to the podcast pneumatology he just said pneuma greek word for spirit spirit yeah ology is just the study Study of of. the spirit and we're going to talk about not just what it means doctrinally or theologically but as pastor chad said also practically so what does it look like to be led of the spirit and again if you are new to the podcast Feel free to subscribe to the channel. That always helps us. It helps uh, the the content get engaged yeah. more and more. And uh, you can stay up to date with the notifications as well if you click the bell. But uh, if it's a blessing to you, yeah, definitely we encourage you to continue to share uh, with other people in your life. So lots of content here. And uh, episode number one, Pastor Chad, we just defined who is or ask the question, who is the Holy Spirit? That's right. Just looking at a kind of a 30,000-foot fly over the person of the Spirit today we're entitling this episode the holy spirit who speaks the spirit is of course personal yes. the spirit speaks we see the spirit speaking all throughout the context of scripture and so we're going to look a little bit at that yeah. today so you want to kick us off first pastor Chad, just reading in acts chapter 2 yeah. so if you're familiar with this acts chapter 2 is what we call the birthday of the church it's written by luke himself and he's just going to read the first four verses uh what we call the day of pentecost All right, Acts 2 and verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Very good. So, highlight moment, right? Highlight moment, birthday of the church. If you're familiar with any kind of church history or the Bible at all, you grew up in church or around Christianity at all, you've heard of the day of Pentecost. Now, whether or not some people have read that passage, um, you know, that's a little bit more debatable, but most people have heard of the day of Pentecost. And so, the day of Pentecost, in Hebrew culture, Feast of Shaviat or the Feast of Weeks, 50 days after Passover. Yeah. Anytime you get the penta, it's 50, right? Pentathlete is an athlete that competes in five sports. A pentagon, of course, is a five-sided building. Yep. And Pentecost happens 50 days after Passover, but it's 40 days after Jesus is resurrected. He ascends to the Father, and then the disciples, of course, spend 10 more days waiting in the tearing. upper room. That's uh-huh. right, tearing. What a great good old English word. Old English word. Right? I used that in our series at Dwelling Place last month. Um and that was interesting. I had a lot of feedback about that. They never come across that word. Actually, tearing. Tearing. I, had, I heard well, more. I mean, we, we got some friends ain't heard Holy Ghost. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> I, I, hadn't, I hadn't heard. And then, of course, we had some people whose English was their second language. 
uh, Russian was their first, and so they were while during the message t- telling me that they were trying to translate the word Figure tearing. Figure, yeah, I understand. So, but Pastor Chad, I just want to kick us off and say, first of all, it is it is not possible to explain what happened in any given historical event just in terms of the things that happened. Now I know that can kind of sound a little bit confusing, but what I mean by that is that oftentimes when you say what happened on the day of Pentecost, people just talk about the manifestations. What happened was a mighty rushing wind comes into the room. What happened was 120 believers are gathered together. What happened was cloven tongues of fire separate on each head as the Spirit gives the utterance. What happened is they speak in tongues, tongues that are not learned. And all of that does happen, mm. but what is really, really happening? And and the, the first thing, Pastor Chad, that I just kind of wanted to talk about ultimately that happened is that something comes to earth on the day of Pentecost that had never been before. And that is that the corporate, living, breathing body of Christ is born. Yeah. So up to that point, we know throughout the Gospels we have individual believers in Christ, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we talked about that a lot on this podcast, people who respond appropriately to Jesus and His call. We, we know the 12 disciples have responded to the call to follow Him. Yeah, Peter confessed Christ. He confessed Christ in Matthew 16. In fact, Jesus tells them one time, Rejoice because your names are written in the Lamb's Book yep. of Life. So their names are already written. Mm-hmm. So we know we have followers of Jesus, but we don't have the the body, the corporate body of Christ that is born. But that's what happens on the day of Pentecost. So, and and if you're wondering, we can just help some yeah. people out because it might be new to them. But yeah, um, it's because there was a cost for Pentecost. Yeah, yeah. And the cost was is the new covenant had to be established. Yep. And the new covenant was established through the blood of Jesus that was shed and His body that was broken. That's right? right. So that had to be completed first for then the church of Jesus Christ to even be able to be born. Correct. Right? Yes, so, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So in, in that statement or sentiment, Pastor Chad, we as, as believers, we should dare not back up from Pentecost as if Pentecost is something to be pushed to the side. Or no You know, way. I think last time in the, the episode I talked about how culturally, you know, we just moved so far in the church, we've moved so far away from even the celebration of Pentecost yeah. that so much in the Western world, we actually do probably more planning in the springtime for Mother's Day and the second Sunday of June, planning in our churches more for Father's Day, mm-hmm. and we just gloss over Pentecost Sunday. Yeah, you know, It's like we go from Easter, and then we don't really have a shebang again until it comes to Mother's Day, and at least in churches that I was a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, and that goes to say, our, I think it becomes a marker, a demonstration of just how much we dismiss the person of the Holy Spirit. Well, I think you said a mouthful, even if you didn't realize you did, is that we plan more for other events. Yeah. But when you bring up the ministry and the person of the Holy Spirit, it's counterintuitive. It goes against being able to pl- plan in a way of controlling yeah it can't control for sure so i think that's why is there so much timidity uh in leaders or believers or the body of christ when it comes to the holy spirit because they deep down know that the person of the holy spirit you're not going to be able to control yeah it's huge and all humans to some level has um a, a desire to control that has to be Surrendered. Practically surrendered and, and crucified, right in yes. in Christ's provision of the cross. So, and you know, some more than others. So, I think and, that's why. Because correct. I mean, oh, if we're gonna really highlight the value of what Pentecost represents, yeah. and we're gonna be open to that, 
I mean, you have people that their whole world they seek to control. Yeah. And you say, well, wait a minute, you know, they believe in God and believe in Jesus. But so when we talk about God and talk about Jesus, it's very easy to talk about the Father or talk about Jesus and still stay in control because we know Jesus is sit- seated at the right hand of the Father. Mm-hmm. When we talk about reading God's Word, it's still easy to stay in control because I can close it open and I can skip yeah. verses, I can skip chapters, I can skip entire books. Yeah. But when we talk about the Holy Spirit, yeah. And then you look at how Scripture highlights metaphors to yes. understand the person. Wind, wind. I mean, fire, rushing mighty wind. Even in Acts two, we're like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. The whole it rips up illustration. Every oh man, Correct. of me being in control. Correct. So every wineskin we thought, and I think that's what the day of Pentecost. I don't want to jump cart before the horse here, but. Acts 2, when the Spirit gets poured out, sons and daughters do indeed prophesy. And what's crazy is not that what what is so prophetically fulfilling in the day of Pentecost is not that the Spirit would fall on people, is that the Spirit rips apart every preconceived wine wineskin. We thought the Spirit of God couldn't come upon women. That's what happens in the book of Acts. Yeah. Certainly not hand servants or maid servants, as the scripture said in Acts 2 28, right. right? But the Spirit of God comes upon and Gentiles. Gentiles, yeah. slave and owner alike, so to speak. So and, and you know, also, Pastor Chad, you talk about the 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 sense of timidity. There there's there's something really to be said about people, and, and this is probably more in the leadership conversation, but there are there is a, a deep seated uh experiential insecurity. So yeah. if someone grows up in the American church or the Western kind of a Western faith that is very intellectual or very heady, we can know a lot. Mm-hmm. We can seek to control a lot with our minds. When we study, we are the ones in control Correct. when you study something. Correct. Right? But if we have already built a repertoire of past years where we're not necessarily experiencing everything that we know right. in our minds, if we don't get to that root quickly, what I have learned of just being honest and open to say, hey, I've taught about such things, but I've never experienced it. Yeah. The longer I allow my leadership to progress without dealing with that, the more experientially insecure I am. Yeah. And when experiential insecurity grips my heart, then now now the Father has to bust through all kinds of things that are built up in my heart, built up in my mind to really receive from you yeah. know, the person the leadership of the Yeah, Spirit. I see so. how then people could really begin to wrestle with Okay, well, now I'm not even going to bring up the subject because yeah. I don't want to expose yeah. the fact that I've not experienced it, even though I've taught taught that's about right. it. So that's right. Um, so that's the first thing is that is that the the something comes to be on earth that has never been before. It's the, the the corporate body of Christ. And Pastor Chad, I guess I'll say the further we get away from the fire of Pentecost, the the colder the church grows. Yeah, you know we can be. We can be people who take care of the poor. We can be involved socially in our communities. We can sponsor little league teams. We could have dinners. We could open our doors to HOA meetings. We could do all those things in our communities. But we are nothing more than a glorified Kiwanis club or beta club in terms of our own agenda. Yeah. That apart from the Holy Spirit's leadership, we still live in 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 terms of our church leadership, we live in on, on, on our agenda's terms. Yeah, you know, and things that we, you know, really without needing to depend on the Holy Spirit can perform. Yep. Right. So yep. uh, you get a lot of then event orientation. Yeah. And we're not against that. We do events and things like that. And you know, if you have been around us much or listen much, or you continue 
uh, ongoing, you see we're, we're both end people. Yeah. You know, so like um, we talked about how timidity people who struggling with control when they talk about ministry of the Holy Spirit, but we're, we're also not saying that the Holy Spirit then just controls our whole existence. And like in Acts 2 here, the Holy Spirit provided the language, yeah, but they spoke. But they, it says, but they uttered it. So yeah. the Holy Spirit didn't take over their mouth. Yeah. The Holy Spirit did what only He could do: provide them right a language that they did not learn. Yep. Didn't study. Yep. But then they had to, by faith, speak. That's right. So there's a balance in that. Yep. You know, yeah. the second thing, Pastor Chad, that that happened in the book of Acts, you know, chapter two that you just read was that the realm of life in which we as the church are now to operate is defined from that first moment. And that first moment is defined and announced that we, the church of Jesus, are to operate in the realm of the supernatural, right? I mean, this is supernatural activity. This is crazy. It's crazy. It's mind-boggling, right? Amazing, but crazy in a good way, right? Yeah. And one of the challenges of a church like, let's say, Pastor Chad here in the United States is that culturally, right, as we grow in sophistication, and a lot of these things aren't bad in and of themselves. We grow in the ability to do podcasts. We've got equipment. We've got cameras. We have the capacity to, you know, to, you know, broadcast or whatever. The temptation is the things that we can do, we we can begin to find stuff that we rely on other than the supernatural power of God. And I think what's so cool about the book of Acts is that this was the worldwide church at that time. 120 believers, and these were people who had none of the things we have today. Right. But boy, did they reach people for Jesus really quickly. I mean, Very we see quick. the church explode, and they're operating in the gifts of the Spirit. They're talking to the Spirit. I mean, if you just read through the book of Acts, just open with a pen mm-hmm. and just refer to every time the Holy Spirit spoke or they depended on the Spirit or right. the Spirit gives leadership. I mean, we will realize what was really, really common for them is often very uncommon for us today. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> in our experience. And so often, you know, people try to um, talk themselves out of the fact that they've not experienced so much that they see in Acts, just like what you were talking about. But they try to do that by saying, well, it's just a historical book. Yeah. You know, God is a God of patterns. And so what he's doing is he's establishing from the birth of the church the pattern of the wind. And the working of his spirit now, yep. the new wineskin. Yep. So it is deeply informing um, and setting what our expectation can be Correct. in this new life that you talked about. And like, you know, you talked about supernatural mm-hmm. and other ways Paul framed our whole existence in the kingdom as he talk, talked about that we're now in the spirit. Yeah. Right. And yep. we need to learn to walk in that. Correct. Right. So we are now supernatural people in Christ, but we got to learn to walk in that, Mm -hmm. you know, and so, um, and we're disciples, we're defined as learners. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, people are listening and it's new to them. Well, you, you shouldn't, you know, be pushed back because it's new. It should make you draw near to him Mm because you're a disciple, you're a learner. Yeah. We're growing. Yeah. And even if it's new to you, it's still what the Father has for you. You know, Pastor Chad, for years of my life, one particular season when I was pastoring in certain areas, uh, I was being inundated so much with people who had kind of grown up in the in the throes of North American Pentecostalism. And so because they had saw so much abuse in that world, in the hyper charismatic world, they started holding 
any Pentecostal expression kind of at arm's distance. Yeah. And I felt very uniquely positioned in that season. It was a long, I mean, it was a good five-year period of my life where I then started getting pushback from folks to say, well, you are just ascribing to a Pentecostal doctrine or the baptism of the Spirit because that's your commitment to the doctrine. Mm. And that was very revealing to me that that person thought I was submitted to the baptism of the Spirit because of my commitment to doctrine or doctrinal purity, not realizing the reason I believe such is not just because of Scripture, but because I desire to enter into the the, the, the dynamic that the Spirit provides. Mm. So we don't swear to Pentecostalism because we're swearing to a doctrine. We swear to Pentecostalism because it's what Christ has made available. Yeah. Right, And so it was very revealing to me to hear from people that, oh, you're just doing it because you're committed to it as a doctrine, which almost reveals to me that, oh, you're only wanting to fight your side of the theological battle because that's where you, that's what you believe doctrinally, not necessarily because that's what you've experienced of God right. or even hungered or desired or had any contrition in this specific. Does that make sense? It yeah, became, yeah, because I get that in the sense of, you know, it is a, a logical rebuttal to people at times when they um, hold fast to something or, or won't hold fast to something because you say, well, in your denomination, if you don't believe or hold fast to this, then you're going to be, you know, uh, lose your job. You're yeah, ostracized. Ostracized. You're no longer going to be a part of the denomination. And so that can obviously make us humans vulnerable. But the the thing that God's done in my path, and I don't know if it's a blessing or what, but it I, I think it is, is that I've never had to have allegiance to an organization or a person more than than him and being open for him to teach me. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. And so uh I've been able to bo- basically say I have nothing to lose right. outside. I have everything to gain in Christ and growing in that. Yeah. So what we're, the point we're trying to make is, is that there's nothing now that, that Pastor Craig that holds him in a sense where he absolutely has to adhere. Yeah. Well, obviously at the church we pastor, we, yeah. it's an article of our faith, yeah. but we're not a denomination. It's mm-hmm. not like you're going to lose credentials or anything if you were to st- stop believing. And I come from a heritage that was mainlined that didn't believe in the baptism yeah. of the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. And then I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But then I've also been in the circles that where there's excess. Yeah. Where you talked about. Yeah. And where and I no longer like a dwelling place, we no longer fall into those ditches yeah. uh of that I experienced in previous things. So um yeah, so one time, Pastor Chad, I was on I was on a set filming for a TV show, actually, mm-hmm. and I won't, I won't give any more than that, but we were on with five, four other pastors, and we started walking through the five instances in the book of Acts where the Bible says that the believers were filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay. And out of five, three of those, tongue speech accompanies that experience, right. at least explicitly. Now, I would argue Explicitly that, stated yes, is it, what you're saying. I would yes. say all five, but I can't do that scripturally. I just know Simon the Sorcerer is not going to go try to spend money to buy something if all they say, yeah. all, if if them receiving the Holy Spirit was this, right? 
Okay, or something's going on. Yeah, silent in their heart. So, something's going when on. He had the whole city in his hands yeah. because of the magic arcs and stuff. Yeah, of course. Of course. So we go through this, and I'm sitting there with another pastor, great guy, good friend in that season. I haven't talked to him in years now. We're we're having a conversation, and I'm thinking he's on the same page with me. We went through each one of them. We started in Acts chapter nine, and with Paul's conversion, Saul to Paul. Then we went to Cornelius. Then we went to Acts thirteen. Then we went to uh, Paul to the road to, to Ephesus. The interior road in Acts nineteen. We're going through all these, <laughs> and so it's like, yeah, boom, boom. And then <laughs> I'll never forget. He looked at the camera. He said, "You know, Pastor Craig, he absolutely is right in speaking that." But there's one big difference here, is that from my theological tradition, we study the book of of Acts as being what we call descriptive history, not prescriptive history. Now, there it was. There was the break. So our conversation was done. So this was descriptive of what the New Testament church was, but that descriptive text, (laughs) which, again— in terms of the the canon of scripture, right. we would call the book of Acts. It would fall. It would fall from the equivalent of the historical books of the Old Testament right. because it's history, right? right? So it's it's history of the birth of the church. So that historical book for that that theological framework, or what we would say hermeneutic, the way they interpret scripture, is it's a descriptive book that is absolutely describing what happened in the first century. But we should not expect that what happened in the first century would be prescriptive for the church today. Yeah, the, the problem is is that you really can't understand what Paul and, and other epistles is saying without the framework of what Acts established. Yeah. Because when he's writing to Ephesus, yeah. he knows the, fa- the foundation of that church yeah. when those disciples got filled with the Holy Spirit Correct. and spoke in tongues when he laid his hands on Correct. them. Acts so 19. when he's talking about after you have believed, you've received the Spirit, he's that's referring back yeah. to things that are founded in Acts that we read about. Correct. Right? Now we're not reading uh all that happened yep. right historically in that in those years, but without that the letters don't make sense. Yeah. And then we put ourselves, we say, well, uh, you know, I've, I've believed, therefore I've received, because it says it right here in Ephesians. Yeah. And, and now we're, we're making assumptions that hermeneutically they hammer people yeah. when they do that in, in other, other ways, in other yeah. issues. Absolutely. Correct. Yeah. So that's always what's, um, Sad and, and unique when it comes to this dynamic. And Absolutely. Topic, so. so one of the things he just brought up, we weren't necessarily going to talk through this, but we'll just do it for a moment. He just brought up the one about F, uh, Ephesians. So let me just read this again. And I actually, I didn't have it here in my notes. I just pulled it up on my own phone, a Greek and a literary Bible. This is in Acts 19, Pastor Chad, when Paul is on the road to the interior, the interior road, what he calls to Ephesus, and he gets there and there's some disciples and he asked them a question. Now, here's what's interesting. I'm going to read this just right quick. I'm, I'm looking at a Greek interlinear Bible. That just shows the Greek, which is the New Testament, Koine Greek, and then the English underneath it. And, and this is what it says, interestingly enough, okay? Verse 1, It came to pass while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul having passed through the upper parts to come to Ephesus. And, ha- and I'm, I'm literally reading the transliteration. So right. your translation may be different. I'm literally reading as the Greek. Having found certain disciples, he also said to them, Atus, if the Holy Spirit, notice this, Elabete, did you receive? P, 
pistusante, which is having believed. Okay, so literally, here's what it says: having believed, that's what first happened. Did you then receive the Holy Spirit? Now, this I'm looking at it right here. This is called aorist tense. That's past tense. So he's saying, having believed, disciples, that's what happened here. Did you then receive the Holy Spirit? Now, Pastor Chad, here's what's amazing. The very next, they said to him, but not even, we didn't know there's a Holy Spirit. Did we hear? He said, then what were you baptized into? And they said, into John's baptism. And so Paul, uh, John baptized the baptism of repentance, the people telling them of the one coming after him, that they should believe that is in Jesus. Having heard them, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then having laid hands on them, Paul laid hands on them. The Spirit came, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and were prophesying. And there were all in all about 12 of them. Now, here's what's interesting. I kid you not, Pastor Chad. I'm not going to mention out loud, but I know it very well, okay? So my senior year of, of, of undergrad, uh-huh. I went to the library when I was doing a master's pa- paper. It was my final paper in my, my practicum class. There was a, ba- a Southern Baptist commentator who every time in the Scripture found an aorist tense verb, which is past tense, said that happens, and then it has subsequent consequences or reality from that past tense verb. This one is, having believed here, did you then receive the Holy Spirit? So some people come up to me and they say, well, what he's talking about here is that when you first get born again, you get regenerated, you receive the Holy Spirit. That is true. No one gets born again apart from the Holy Spirit. But then they want to deny that there is a second grace, or what we call a second subsequent work, which is Jesus baptizing believers right. in the Holy Spirit. And they do that. This commentator, I kid you not, Pastor Chad, this commentator said this is the one instance in the Scripture where these should be translated in the present tense. I, I about fell out of my chair. <laughs> I'm in the library. I, fell, I, I literally took it to this, this professor is now with the Lord. His name is Dr. Battle. I okay. loved him to death. Uh-huh. I literally took him the commentary, right? And we we had a powwow for an hour, just like flabbergasted that this effective theologian, strong theologian, says that this should be translated. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe simultaneous? Mm-hmm. No, 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 that's not actually what happens in this text. Luke records that having believed, did you then receive the Holy Spirit? So I use that just as one example. Convenient um, outliers. Yeah, they're yeah, yeah, absolutely. So. That's what's challenging, right? Is that all of us, and it's it's we're talking about the spirit today, but there's other things in the Christian experience where the same outlier happens when it comes to women being silent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In First Timothy, so so like I guess this is what I'm trying to say, Pastor Chad, is that there has to come a, a time in our lives as followers of Jesus where I refuse to allow my experience to dictate my theology, and I have to allow my understanding of Scripture to start dictating my experience. Correct. I have to say, okay, I'm not experiencing it, but this is what the Scripture says, and then contend for that. Correct. Whether it that's comes how the Holy night. Spirit creates faith. Yeah. So think about what you're saying. Yeah. Like, that, that's the normal progression. If, if I'm not going to put myself and my experience under the Word of God and what it's declared, well, then how can the Holy Spirit create faith? If I'm putting my experience above the word, right? Yeah. Because Romans ten seventeen, right? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if I'm not prioritizing my hearing to the word and I'm hearing more loudly my circumstance or my experience up to that point, then 
the Holy Spirit is not going to create faith. Yeah. And if it, and if he doesn't create faith, then of course I'm not going to experience, experience what yeah. God the Father has for me. So, so the 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 experiential insecurity in that sense, the example you just used, should create a vacuum when I'm reading the scripture to say I've not yet experienced it. And that vacuous play should be where the Holy Spirit authors faith for me to contend, to believe, and to yeah. express. And, you know, he mentioned him being with other pastors and, and that, you know, you're looking at someone, I, I'm, I was in the tribunal seat often, mm. you know, of peers and friends at school because I was the one baptizing the Holy Spirit and evidence speaking in tongues. And they put a chair right there, and they'd surround me, and they'd start shooting questions. Yeah, you know. And uh, I'll never forget. Um, you know, it took me longer. To a little Socratic method on the person <laughs> of the spirit. <laughs> they, they are trying to hammer away, but um, uh, you know, it took me longer to finish my undergrad than most people. But one of the things that it worked well <laughs> is when I was about to finish, we had um. Uh, Pauline epistles, and then of course we had First, uh, Second Corinthians, and individuals. But I remember one of my professors, who was a great professor, really liked him. But I had him draw on the board. I walked him through in front of the whole class, First Corinthians ten. Mm-hmm. Just walked there. I said, "Okay." He says they were all baptized into Moses. Israel was. So I said, okay, right up there, baptized into Moses, okay? And then it said, in the cloud and in the sea. I said, okay, below that, put in the cloud and in the sea. What's he saying? That we now are baptized into Christ, Mm -hmm. right? Because we identify with his leadership. We confess him as Lord, right? Yes, that's salvation. Just like Israel identified with the leadership of Moses, right? And they were out of Egypt, okay? But they hadn't experienced yet in this cloud and in the sea yeah that happened after they got out of egypt so and i walked him through it i remember he's there in front of the whole class man he's like looking at it because once you look at it that way i mean logically paul's laying it out Mm -hmm. that the one baptism of ephesians 4 is one baptism into the body of christ Christ. just like they were identified and baptized into Moses one time. Mm-hmm. But then practically it had two outworking experiences. Yeah. In the sea, which was water baptism, and then in the cloud is baptized with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you've almost, just with this, got me right here. Yeah. Change in my theology. Yeah. I was like, yeah, because that's, that's how Paul laid it out. Yeah. I mean, it's real clear. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so we're to operate in the realm of the supernatural, Pastor Chad, right? Yes. And I, I, the the kind of wanted to lay this out there. I, you know, if you if you if you can dilate your imagination in a moment, Jesus, you literally fifty days before the day of Pentecost, they have seen the Lord be humiliated, crucified, naked. They, well, most of them didn't see that because they abandoned him. But John certainly made it to that point. And the women and Mary. And the women <laughs> made it. Three days later, he's resurrected, vindicated by the Father. And then I want you just to imagine, can you imagine what it felt like for 40 days to sit across the breakfast table from Jesus, and when he reaches down to pick up his spoon or fork, they their hands literally have nail scars in them. At the end of the 40 days, he takes them over to the Mount of Olives, and he says, literally, go preach the gospel to every creature, great commission, make disciples of all nations. And then in saying that to them, they don't even know. They've never been further than 
than Galilee, which is the northern part of Israel. And he's telling them to go to the ends of the earth. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, Acts 1.8 says, right? They don't even know what the ends of the earth are. And then while he's yet speaking to them, he's taken up from them. And it's not levitation for levitation's sake. It's about enthronement, right? It's about Jesus taking up his rightful place. But he escapes, and they're looking up with their clouds in the heavens, which you and I would too, and the angels come down and say, hey, man, get to business, do what he told you in the same way that he ascended, he's going to descend again. Mm -hmm. And they go to Jerusalem and they wait for the promise of the Father. And the Bible says they prayed, and even though it doesn't tell us what they prayed, we can find out, we can, we can make some clues about what they prayed. What is that, man? Jesus just told us to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. They're praying with neediness, like, Lord, we can't do this. We have no idea how to do this. We have no ability. And it's in that neediness, that desire, that the day of Pentecost comes, and, of course, the fire of God's Spirit comes upon them to anoint them, and the church is baptized in power. Now, at that moment, Pastor Chad, Simon Peter, who 50 days earlier had denied Jesus three times before three the times. sun came up, right? Three times. Literally didn't even see Jesus get crucified because he went and threw a pity party, so to speak. He, in that moment, and I joked with the church a couple weeks ago, John went to the cross. If I'm the Father in heaven or Son seated next to the Father and I'm going to pour out the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, I'm like, Peter, you get it today, but you're going you're to stay quiet. John, you're going to come up here and preach the first sermon because, man, you made it to the cross, but he doesn't. He chooses Peter. Peter gets up and declares in Acts mm -hmm. 2 that sermon that is powerful. 3,000 people are cut to the heart. Brothers, what shall we do to be saved? And you, you often ask the question, or I do, why is Simon Peter used to preach the Pentecostal message? And Pastor Chad, it's so clear. He is living personal proof of the transforming and empowering grace of God in an individual's life. Like he is exhibit A yeah, of through, what happens. Through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's right. And, and, and two, Pastor Chad, there's probably people that are attending Spirit-filled churches, but maybe maybe they haven't had that experience. And uh -huh. so sometimes when you're in a, a, a Spirit-filled church, you can begin to mistakenly think that the ethos or environment you're in right. externally is a part of your internal right. world. And I, I don't know about you. Have you had this? I've had a lot of conversations with people who grew up in charismatic environments okay. who never just had the honest conversation with other leaders or themselves that, oh my gosh, I've been around it. It's all external, but it's it's never been an internal experience for me. Yeah. And it seems like the fir the longer years transpire without dealing with it, mm -hmm. the harder it is to deal with it. Have you noticed that or had that conversation with people? Well, in, in some aspect, what I think about is how um, it brings up other discipleship needs. So obviously we're talking about the, the person, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, but a lack of discipleship in other areas then affects that. So meaning if, if I'm not secure in my identity in Christ and if I'm not secure in the love of the father, um, and I'm not, um, in a posture of knowing and understanding that in order to grow, there's going to be discomfort, meaning there's going to be an exposure of something the father has secured for me in Christ, but there's going to be a gap. I've not yet experienced it. Yeah. And I'm going to have to wrestle in prayer and, and, and ask the Holy Spirit to create faith before I experience mm -hmm. that, right? Right. Well, to do that takes transparency and honesty, right? So I, if if there's an area of me being conformed 
to the image of Christ, I would have to share with the brother or someone and say, hey, look, uh, I'm, I'm not seeing Jesus clearly. And Paul says, 2 Corinthians 3, Jesus is a mirror. Yeah. So if I'm not seeing Jesus clearly in this area, then I'm not able to see who he's made me or called me to be in that area, yeah. right? And so that there's a gap. Well, to do that takes humility. It takes um, transparency. So the longer you go without acknowledging that, like right. outwardly, the easier it is to get in, pri- in prison inwardly. Yeah. And then like what you said, you think, oh my gosh, if I now tell all you know, the people I do life with who are spirit-filled, yeah. that though I believe in it and I love the church, that I'm not spirit-filled, well, I'm going to feel, I'm going to be ashamed about yes. that. Yes. Well, it, there's no need to be ashamed of it. it. You know, it's not... It's a work of grace. Yeah, we're not we're not ashamed when we find out there's more yeah. in the life of the spirit that we've not experienced. We say, okay, what is what is the way of the Father for me to, to experience that? With hunger, true yeah. hunger. Correct. It yeah. should provoke us to hunger and thirst. Yeah. And so, but I see how you can get trapped in that, right? I, and that's happened a lot. I, the reason I bring it up in our conversation is because I've had that conversation a lot. It's not just been one or two times. I hear more on the other aspect that ties into this of people saying, uh, you know, I, I felt like pressured or less than that I hadn't yet. Because it was a spiritual badge. It was elitism. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. And they they allowed that to push them away from it, and um, that's unfortunate that they allowed that because you know that's like saying, well, that's like the disciples following Jesus and seeing Jesus cast out demons and heal, and then they weren't able to do it, and then they say, well, man, you know Jesus is greater than me in in yeah. faith and knowing the Father. And and then they get upset and not yeah. grow and learn. Yeah, and the example I use of that, Pastor Chad, is that when past, when the Apostle Paul is riding to the church at Corinth, he's dealing with a church that has somehow conflated spiritual giftedness with spiritual maturity. And he thinks and, and realizes that these people think the more gifted I am, the more mature. And he's really clear that— Calls them babes in yeah. Christ. And what's interesting, Pastor Chad, is it's not that he's trying to undermine the reality and the role of tongue speech— or all the gifts. He actually praises that they excel in oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, and tells them to. He's just saying that's not the whole— And tells them to eagerly desire it, even 1 Corinthians 14, too. You're eagerly right. desire the spiritual gifts. But what I'm saying there is what's interesting in that 12, 13, and 14 stretch is that the Apostle Paul abridges having a church that has a distracting centrality of glossolalia, of tongue speech, meaning— if I just get so preoccupied, and why was that though for him? You, oh yeah, you know yeah. why, right? Oh, absolutely. culturally, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, when when we make it, and and again, there's a lot to unpack here. That's why we got sure. a whole whole season to do yeah. this. From a lot of people, if they have wrong theology, mm-hmm. that like you mentioned a minute ago, someone having a wrong theology of, of spiritual elitism, and that calls them to, the fruit of that is to not have hunger to actually want it themselves, right? Right. So if I have a wrong theology or understanding, when we make the whole kit and caboodle about just tongue speech, and again, the the, the con- congregations I was a part of, because it was the doctrinal hinge point, mm-hmm. is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the initial, the only initial evidence is tongue speech, then it 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 brought people to, uh, a challenging reality of thinking that the main focus and impetus of spirit baptism was just to speak in tongues. And so I would constantly come back to people and say, listen, evidence 
yes, tongues might be evidence, but witness is essence. Right. And that's how I always juxtapose those. Is Correct. that if the Apostle Paul is in First Corinthians trying to constantly abridge and saying, don't let glossocentrism, centrality of tongue speech, be distracting, but hey, is your heart really set on fire with a missionary impulse? Because that's the work of the Spirit, is that we be witnesses. And it's when I would come in that kind of language and counseling to people, now the whole dynamic changes, right? Mm -hmm. So now they're realizing, hey, there's actually a purpose for the tongue speech. Correct. But that see, that that goes back to discipleship. Yeah. And it goes back to uh, our heart, right? Because Simon the Sorcerer, after he received the Word of God, the preaching of Christ, right, and then he got water baptized, he, he still had serious character issues, yeah. right? And, and Peter said, hey, your heart's not right before God because he was wanting outward evidence because his heart still wanted and loved like the praise and the adoration of man. So the, all of that is discipleship issue. So like what you're saying is you see where someone can get so fixed on glossolalia and tongue speech because what they really want is they want to inwardly feel like they're accepted in the group. Yeah. So they want tongue speak just to feel accepted when the reality is if they're discipled, they should understand I'm already accepted in the beloved, oh, of course. whether I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit or not. But without the discipleship and the right teaching, they don't know the ultimate purpose, which is what you just highlighted, yeah. which is empowerment, yeah. right? And so if my heart's not right in seeking it, that's a discipleship issue. Yeah. The reason we should seek the being baptized with the Holy Spirit is because the Father promised it and He delights for us to receive His promise so that we then can live supernaturally yeah. and be supernaturally empowered to witness that Jesus is Lord and that Jesus is Christ. That's right. So without that heart, though, people can end up in so many ditches, yep. right? Absolutely. And um, And it's not always the people around them that calls them to get in all those ditches, oh, right? So if someone's insecure and, you know, someone already feels rejected and then, you know, all this pressure builds up within them and they feel like, oh, I got to do this to be accepted. Well, some of that's inner dialogue. Some of that's not real. And then some of it, because I've talked to many, some of what they've experienced and what they share is legitimate. It was the people around them where their whole thing, it's sort of like in, in other contexts, you know, uh, like I remember at one place I worked and I was, you know, um, finishing school. And so even though I we had already planted a church and, you know, been in equipping ministry, sort of a season of, you know, not being full time on church. And I remember witnessing to my boss. So when I worked at Enterprise and uh, she said, well, yeah, I grew up and she grew up in a mainline like Baptist church. And and her thing was this. Now, this is, again, her experience. She's like, all they cared about was to get me water baptized. Well, that's what some people have said and experienced when it comes to glossolalism. All they wanted me to do is speak in tongues. Speak in tongues. Yeah. And so, and unfortunately, if, there are, and I, again, I, I don't want to like give absolutes, but like there are still viable denominations today, like a UPC, Brothers and Sisters in Christ. I have no problem saying that, but there are United Pentecostal churches that still believe that tongue speech accompanies salvation. salvation right so then it becomes a matter of yeah lake of fire right it, so eternal I mean, you're, gonna, you're gonna stay all night in the altar 
Are you going to fake it or something? <laughs> you can get born again and you staying all night with the church mama praying through until something happens, right? <laughs> so, and again, I don't, I don't say, I don't want to say that. Right. I don't want to say that we need kind of uh, condescension. But you see tone. that without the discipleship, yes. thing, like uh, previous things we've dealt with yeah. in, in previous seasons, yes. how all this then wrongly yes. creates a negative conducive, conducive culture for a wrong type of conforming. And God doesn't show up when wrong speech accompanies that. That's like every friend of Job. They keep on telling him the wrong advice, and finally Elihu comes in and declares the truth to Job, and the Spirit of God comes in like a wind, right? It's like, yeah. you know, so so Pastor Chad, one of the things we've been talking about the last few few weeks is that Acts 2.32 sp- yes. passage. I I'm, I pulled it up here in the Greek Interlinear yeah. again. And and it's and, and Paul's pre, uh, uh, Peter's preaching here. He said, "This Jesus God has raised up. Right, we are all witnesses of to the right hand to His right hand. Therefore, having been exalted, right, you've now received the promise of the Spirit." Now, here's what's interesting: if you just look at that verse point blank, Paul, Peter is saying, "Having been exalted to the right hand of the Father, Jesus." now poured out the promise of the Father, which is what they see and hear, which is tongue speech, spirit baptism. Right. But it's interesting, Pastor Chad, because listen, listen, this is so this is so big, man. This is so big. Like, I cannot stress this enough. When I was in environments that were hyper-charismatic or overwhelmingly pushing towards just glossocentric realities, speaking in tongues, whatever, it would be like revival chasers and revival meeting chasers it's like if the man of God or woman of God comes to the church and, I mean, I literally had someone tell me when I was in seminary, hey, you should have me come preach to your teenagers because I'm really, really good at getting people baptized in the Spirit. And I said to him, thank God the Lord helped me real quickly. I said, well, that's okay because well, I hope, I'd rather Jesus baptize him in the well, Spirit. I, I hope is. That, I hope the way it came out wasn't really what his heart. Uh, yes, exactly. Well, hopefully, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm like, we would prefer Jesus to baptize. It definitely people. don't sound well, brother. So what I'm saying is that it would be like when I was a young believer, when people were gifted to minister the baptism of the Spirit. Right. It always was conflated, and people confused it with like, oh, I'm going to chase that person, get in that environment, because if I'm in that environment— Then I'll finally receive. Right. And it was all about the exaltation of the person, mm-hmm. the, the, meaning the minister. Right. What's so powerful about this verse is that spirit baptism is everything to do about the exaltation of Jesus. It says, certainly, Jesus been exalted, he's received the promise. Now, now this makes sense, right, Pastor Chad, and for those that are listening today, watching today— mm-hmm is that this is why these disciples become unstoppable. Because when they've left Jesus 10 days earlier, they've been kind of limbo. We think he went to the Father. That's what he told us. But the way we'll know he's at the Father is that he pours out the promise. Correct. So once they receive the promise, they know, though we don't often pick up on it, they know at that moment Jesus actually sat down. Right. And that's why 1 John 5, the Spirit is one of the witnesses on earth. Yeah, it's witnessing to the fact of what you're saying yeah. that he completed the work, and what's amazing is is the more you study this, and um, for me it was all stuff personally and me pursuing the Lord mm-hmm. of the way I teach it now and the way it's in divine design for discipleship. I, I know there's other resources out there that do it, but my point is is that I can teach thoroughly the baptism with the Holy Spirit just with Old Testament scriptures. Mm-hmm. The the amount 
of preparation in Old Testament scriptures and the types and the shadows within the law and what God did, all foreshadowing the fulfillment of this, which hits the main the first point you you did at the podcast yeah that all that happened yeah is not all that, all that happened, happened correct because i mean there's so much um established doctrinally in the old covenant and we're seeing the fulfillment the divine of the reversal of genesis 11 the Tower substance of, of it you got that right. you have go read what happened when the tabernacle got finished when the temple got finished oh yeah the glory all these uh types and so um the the weight of this is so important because God had been working towards this so that now he cannot just walk with us, but he can dwell in us yeah. through Pastor Joe, when I was Spirit. in Israel a couple years ago, right off the southern steps where you would enter into the temple, there are big washing pools that are right on left and right. And, of course, when you came to present to the temple, you had to wash and the upper room is here off to the east. And when these 3,000 believers get born again on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says they got to get baptized. You know what kind of riot broke out? And the, 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 the uh, tour guides we were with said that history says that they would take those 3,000 believers that were Jews, Orthodox right. Jews, yes. they bring them down to the washing pools to go into the temple, and they start baptizing them in the name right of there. Jesus. So... I mean, this is a this is a riot, right? Day of Pentecost, church born, three thousand pupils, students are added to the church. The apostles' doctrine becomes the, the the curriculum, so to speak, right? I mean, just a remarkable moment when you think of mm. what Luke is recording. It never here. stood out to me until earlier when you said it. That the um, just the connection that he denied three times, so he goes from living in the flesh, like his own ability, right? Yeah, to there being con texts that conform him to deny the Lord three times. Mm. But then after spirit baptism, you have an enhanced witness of 3,000 people confessing him. So three denials and then the empowerment of the spirit leads to 3,000. And I, and it also, I was, I was quick and just reminded of, you know, Scripture says the threefold cord's not easily broken. You know, why did he not deny just once or twice? I, I think there probably was aspects in each of those denial. You know, some was mental, some was vali- like will and, yeah. and emotion. But it shows that us humans, depending on our own soul life, oh, yeah. we're vulnerable. Now you see a man enhanced with the supernatural yeah. spirit life, and then 3,000 people... Jesus is Lord when he denied. Yeah, and 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 I three Pastor times, Chad, man. He, he starts preaching around verse eleven or twelve of Acts two. If you read it out loud down to verse uh, 38, 39, when they're cut to the heart, even if you do some extended hus preacher voices at the end, I don't preach like that. But I have read that sermon out loud and timed it more than twenty times, and it is it. Now we don't know for sure if Luke recorded every word. Well, that, we don't. We know because of verse forty. And with many other yeah, words. Yes, yeah. yes. We don't we don't know specifically how long, but if you took that that sermon, it's a couple of minutes even long and drawn out. So did he preach for ten minutes? All I know is this. You can you can tarry and wait on the Lord for ten days and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and three thousand people you break the will of of the of three thousand sinners through a, a short message. Right. Or you can be long winded without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and preach for 15 days and break the will of two sinners, right? True. 
it's a real clear picture, I think really clear in, in, in these first few chapters, of just how empowering God's Holy Spirit That's is. a good point. You know, upon a person's life. So Yeah, because you get, I mean, there's even, you know, dynamics, dimension of, you know, spirit baptism and being ongoingly filled. You yeah. know, you have the historical accounts of, say, like a Charles Finney or someone that, you know, would would get filled with, the spirit and go on the train. Oh yeah, and the bus and just the presence of God with people would begin. People weep, weep. Smith Wigglesworth happened to him oftentimes, oftentimes on the train. Smith Wigglesworth, I one of the craziest stories. Now he's got some crazy charismatic stories, but on a train and a lady in the back of the train is watching him. She's preoccupied with him, can't stop staring at him. If I told some stories of stuff like that, like in in spirit living, I mean, and then people are new to this, they. they they wouldn't believe that the oh, reality, of it, but it's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Pastor Chad, what what we'll do here to kind of just kind of rally around for this episode is is the Spirit guides the early church, and Pastor Chad, there's there's lessons in the Book of Acts that describe to us how He guides us today. I have recently been intrigued looking through the Book of Acts that there are four specific times where it says the Spirit spoke. Okay. Okay. So the four times it says the Spirit said is. Now, there's many times we know the Spirit spoke more than that. Oh, I'm talking this about is recorded. Yeah, yeah, yeah just record, the ones recorded. recorded and said. So those four, four times, and then I just wanted to look at four principles. And from it's that. important this point because of our first episode. It shows the Holy Spirit is a person because yep. persons speak. Yep, right? absolutely. So first, first time is um, Acts chapter eight, verse twenty nine. Okay, the Spirit says to Philip, "Go to the chariot," and he goes and wins the Ethiopian eunuch. Acts chapter ten is the second time. It has a reprise in Acts 11, but this is Acts 10, 19, and 20. The Spirit said to Simon, three men are looking for you. Get up, go downstairs. Long story short, he's up on the roof praying, has a vision. He needs to go share with the second Gentile convert, Cornelius, and his whole household. Yeah. They become the you know converts. First Third thing, time yeah. the Spirit is recorded and is, is speaking Acts 13. Spirit says to the Antioch leadership, there's a revival going on in Antioch. Spirit speaks to them while they're fasting and praying, and it's in, so intriguing that when our hearts go up in worship, the Spirit comes behind and pushes us out in evangelism. This is the way of God. But the Spirit speaks to leadership and says, separate Paul and Barnabas for the work I've called them, and of course they go on the missionary journey. Yep. Fourth time, Spirit is speaking when the Spirit said to Paul through the prophet Agabus. Agabus gets up and it says, in the way the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and hand him over to the Gentiles. And so... Pastor Chad, in those four instances, as we look at the scriptures, they have present moment application. So I just wanted to hit real quick yeah. each of those of considering what would be the consequence, what is common to these four, and then what are some consequences if they had not obeyed. So here's here's point number one is that consider the consequences if the Spirit had not spoken or if the Spirit had spoken but not been obeyed. So if we take those four instances and play that out. Okay, yes. The first one is, if the Spirit hadn't spoken, the Ethiopian eunuch would have returned to Ethiopia and not had understanding of Isaiah that he was reading. And yeah, Philip wasn't going to be there on his own where, where he was at. He had come all the way from Egypt to the community in Jerusalem. He's a stranger to the faith. He's returning to his home country as spiritually barren as he was when he comes. He's reading the book of Isaiah. And to me, this is what's so convicting, Pastor Chad, is Philip leaves the Sumerian revival, goes out to the desert road to Gaza, mm-hmm. goes next to the chariot as the Spirit communicates to him. And, and, and this should be 
so important for our present day application because oh. it is so easy for us. You write a whole book on. Yeah. What's your bathroom? It is so easy for us to talk to people we know rather than people we don't know about the gospel. And this man doesn't look like him. Philip doesn't look like the Ethiopian eunuch. And yet what happens when the Lord wants to do a great work, he starts with very small. It's usually a person. And then that person leads to a family. So you think of, okay, what if the Holy Spirit hadn't spoken to Peter? Well, Cornelius and his whole household wouldn't have been saved. And when Cornelius and his household get saved, Pastor Chad, that drives a theological wedge into the church, into the exclusivity of the church, where yeah. now the Gentiles can become a part of the grafted faith, mm-hmm. right? So it begins with an individual, then it goes to a family, and then the Spirit is concerned about the expansion. So the third one is, if the Spirit hadn't spoken with Barnabas and Saul, then the gospel wouldn't have gone forth in the first missionary journey. Pastor Chad, if the Spirit didn't spoke to, to the Antioch leadership, we wouldn't have churches in Athens, Greece, Ephesus, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, Derby, Philippi, Thessalonica. All of that gets established mm-hmm. as a result of the Spirit speaking to the Antioch leadership, separate Paul and Barnabas. We wouldn't have the book of Luke. We wouldn't have the 13 letters of Paul, probably, right? So the Spirit, when he speaks, he starts with a small trail, the trail becomes the path, the path becomes the road, the road becomes the highway, the highway becomes the interstate. And sometimes as Pentecostals, we want things to happen real big, real fast, but we have to recognize again, there's a developmental process to the work of God's Spirit. And then, of course, if the Spirit had not spoken, the fourth example that we have, right, we would have never had Paul go to Jerusalem, or leave Jerusalem, make his way to Rome, he, he stays at Caesarea, uh, maritime for several years. He's before Felix and Festus, the governors. We wouldn't have Colossians, Philemon, Philippians, First and Second Timothy, and then the Roman Church wouldn't have been ready for the persecution it's going to receive through the Roman Emperor Nero. But mm-hmm. Paul is able to have five years of downtime to teach the church. Hey, we can rejoice in our suffering because suffering produces endurance, and endurance character, and character produces hope, and that hope doesn't disappoint us. So, just that first point pretty amazing to think of all that came about in the new testament church because the spirit of god spoke now how crazy would it be for us to think then contemporarily the holy spirit doesn't speak to us anymore doesn't lead his church doesn't lead us as leaders disastrous consequences to be honest with you even the examples you gave is you know there's gracious um 28 at least years uh, 28 year span of the four things that you just yeah. highlighted scripture. Yeah. So that whole, well, it was just, you know, early church and like, you know, first five, like, no, the, the spirit of God still speaks. Yep. And, um, one spirit spoken faith creating word can produce a harvest that you and I and our own ability could never, never get close to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what families, Pastor Chad, what individuals will never hear the gospel of Jesus Christ if we don't obey and listen? What is Who's, who's on the heart of God that God is speaking to you, speaking to me to say, hey, we must be people who are listening to the Spirit of God and that's males and females, right? God uses women. We know this is spirit-filled people. God's an equal opportunity employer, right? And 
I don't know. The way I've always framed it, Pastor Chad, is who is on the other side of your obedience to to the voice of the Spirit. Yeah. You never know, but that's <laughs> that's why it's important to obey because he knows. Yeah. Right? So it's like I tell people, you, you, you can count how many seeds in an apple, but not how many apples in a seed. Yep. And so obedience to the Spirit's instruction and words, you can you can never count the amount of harvest that God will bring through that. But but kingdom seed is amazing. Yeah. I th- I, when I was talking about we could write a book, I thought you were going to go there for a minute on how he left the revival and he went to the one. And, and it just hit me because... Even, well, I was I wasn't yeah minute, but yeah yeah but it, even spirit filled context yeah. are people that believe in spirit empowerment and uh, that you know the flesh is still vulnerable yeah. to then try to control or frame the spirits working just in one way yep. and what that says to me is that when we stay ongoing field yeah right the Ephesians five continually Being be filled. filled that as we stay spirit-filled people the holy spirit when we're filled makes us not care how he uses yes. us cuz what the spirit empowerment is about is that jesus is lord and if he wants to demonstrate he's lord this way if he wants to demonstrate he's lord to one or to many we spirit we don't spirit filled people don't care. Correct. We just want Jesus to be glorified. Yeah, we say we don't care, but I will. Well, tell uh, you. But that, but, <laughs> it, <laughs> but that's my point. Yes, that's the evidence on. I'm talking to me. Yes, of whether I'm presently filled. Yes, correct. Or if I'm trying to correct. say I'm living off of a past feeling. Correct. And, the, the hardest lesson for me in that sense is <laughs> I do not get to dictate how God uses my faithfulness. Yeah. Right. I do have to be faithful. Yeah. I don't just don't I don't get to doc, dictate how he uses it. So, but that brings up the second point. So we'll go from first one. I just have four. The second one is on all four of those passages, the spirit is seeing things we don't see, and he, and if we don't hear his voice, we continue to do the things only we can see. So Philip never saw the opportunity to win no way. an Ethiopian eunuch. He probably never been in that that road, that place. Yeah, ever Peter did not see the opportunity that waited him north of Joppa in Caesarea. Oh, he, yeah, his um, tendencies. And, yeah, racial tendencies. Paul and Barnabas didn't blinding. see where the Lord was directing them across the Mediterranean Sea, right? And Paul, the fourth one, did not see where ultimately how God would probably use in the end him being a prisoner and appealing as a Roman He didn't citizen. see that snake bite or he wouldn't put in his hand that stick, I tell you that. Correct. So, but God used it. Correct. Absolutely. So, you know, I guess that's what I'm trying to say is, Pastor Chad, there are times as spirit-filled people, we do all that we can to, to, to plan. But from my vantage point of the American church, our great failure sometimes is we overly technique, we overly look for the next book on leadership, we overly look at the church next door, and we try to import whatever we're learning and experiencing into the next context. And that's all good, right. but the Spirit is seeing things we can't see. Correct. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're because we're humans with the five senses, we're, we're more readily... Uh, okay with the tangible yeah right but this is the intangible yeah. but this is what jesus said i mean the the world and unbelievers can do tangible things yep. right yeah but he said the true riches of heaven yeah 
is this kind of stuff, being able to hear the Spirit of God and and the anointing of God leading. And um, there's a great weight that comes when we hear the Spirit, you know. Um, Here's your response. Hebrews says if if they refused the one that spoke from Sinai, yeah, man, you know, we should not refuse him who speaks now, the Holy Spirit. So my point is today, if you hear his heart, that's right. Hebrews, there is a weightiness on this kind of stuff we're saying because it is only God knows how many apples are in in that seed of obedience, and He's trying to do a supernatural expansion. Yes, through that, there there are people watching today, right now, listening that there are people and places on the Holy Spirit's radar that is not on their radar. Of course, right. And if we don't, if we don't just come to the recognition that, man, God, I've got to listen to Your Spirit in these days. You're going to speak to me. You're going to guide my steps. You're going to guide our steps because we've not been left as orphans. Correct. That's what Jesus said. He's sending the comforter, the advocate, the other helper and to it, lead us. And it's so important because you're, you're not going to find a verse, you know, uh, the book of Chad for uh, 2023, you know, in a month no. and, and know, okay, this is what I'm going to need to do or have yeah. to do. We need to hear Correct. the Spirit's voice and the Spirit's leading. Um, so, you know, and when you're faithful— with what Scripture is clear on, the revealed will of God, then we're in a more readily posture to be able to hear yep. what the Spirit's saying. Yep. Um, but, I, you know, I I do grieve for brothers and sisters that have never drawn near to God in a way of openness and desiring to hear from God the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, and... You know, many of them if, could think about certain situations in their life where they're frustrated, mm-hmm. and they're frustrated because they're trying to do things with only what they can yes, see. Correct. And the point of what you're saying is, is why always live that way? Yeah. We're supernatural people, yeah. and the Holy Spirit sees everything, yeah. knows everyone, right. knows the hearts of all. Why would we not want to hear yeah. uh, from the Helper? Yep. So. Absolutely. Especially if we want Jesus to be glorified. Correct. That's his role. Well, third one, Pastor Chad, we just got three and four. The third one is that in all four of these instances, when the Spirit spoke, the person who responded had to pay the price out of moving out of their own comfort zone. Yeah. It was a it was a call from security to insecurity, so to speak. So so just track through them real quick. Philip was in the comfort zone of a great revival in Samaria. Oh man has to leave to go find the one, right? 120 kilometers away. Peter's in the comfort zone of being a leader in the church of Jerusalem, and he's going to risk his reputation with the Gentiles by going to the Gentiles. Right. Right? Um, And that's another reason why we need to hear the Spirit speak, because we all have preconceived ideas and have been conditioned, and the ways of God are higher than our ways, and His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So the reason it takes the supernatural speaking of the Holy Spirit is because without that, you and I would never have certain things on our radar yeah. because life has conformed us in a wrong way. Yeah. Peter could have never got there on his own. No, no, he never, never. No, he had too much yes. tradition yes. and his own understanding of Scripture and and all Correct. that that conformed them. And, and Paul so and Barnabas, important. same thing. They moved out of the comfort zone of senior leaders in Antioch, and now they're going to be senior leaders to pioneer works all over the Mediterranean Sea. Paul, 
by the time we get to Acts 20, has reserved well. He should be retiring on a Greek island, but he doesn't. He hears from Agabus, you're going to be bound. He's going to be incarcerated. He's also going to be decapitated, Pastor Chad. But all of those instances, all four of those times that the Spirit spoke, that person had to respond in following the Spirit outside of. Hey, which brings up, I didn't plan to say this, the first time we see Jesus being led by the Spirit, is in Luke 4, yeah, and the first thing it says is the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness in a place that he wouldn't have normally gone by himself. No. So it's a very violent language, and it's not it's not pretty, right? It's to be led to 40 days of, of temptation, right, to in the wilderness. what the first Adam failed in. But that is, again, the call of the Spirit to move out of a sense of security into insecurity. Um, so... Uh, I guess the last thing, Pastor Chad, is the fourth point is that the Spirit says different things to different people, or He says different things at different times to the same people. And the point that I wanted to make there, Pastor Chad, is that oftentimes in our lives, I guess what has been so unique to me in this season is that in Acts chapter 13, there's such a big difference between Acts 13 and Acts 20. In Acts 13, the Spirit says, expand, expand, expand. Paul and Barnabas, send them. Acts 20, it's, the Spirit says, contract, contract, contract. For Peter, for Philip, for Barnabas, for Saul, the Spirit points them in a direction that expands the gospel. But in Acts 20, now the Spirit is pointing Paul in a time where his life feels contracted. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily his gospel impact, but this Spirit, this season of contraction. And Pastor Chad... Well, he's just teaching people that come to him in his rented house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in that time, the Spirit points him in a direction where the external results are are hidden comparatively, but the pure gold of his character, his allegiance to Christ, shines like never before. Mm -hmm. And I I wanted to end there because I wanted to give encouragement to somebody who maybe has been in a season where there has been, in the past, expansion, what seemed to be very clear expansion. And we tend to think that the Spirit's only present in expanding seasons. Yeah. But he's just as much present in Paul's life in, in contraction seasons yeah. as he is in expansion seasons. Yeah. And we can entrust the Lord of our life, right, the Good Shepherd, to Correct. lead us through, through every season. Correct. So what, well, I guess what comes to mind there is— Just that the obedience to what the Spirit is speaking leads to the actual kingdom fruit yeah. that lasts. And so there's a lot of activity— uh, a lot of tangible activity, planned activity in the body of Christ, but it's not all kingdom activity yep. in the sense of kingdom fruit that lasts. It, it's sort of like, well, I hope there's impact. Listen, it, you, you want 100% guarantee. Mm. Obedience to something the Spirit says yeah. is 100% guaranteed of kingdom fruit that will not fail. Yep. Even and, though you can't see it. Correct, yeah. and there will always be dynamics of that because the kingdom right now, right, is unseen, mm-hmm. right? It's it's here but not yet fully revealed in, in uh, the age to come. Yeah. Jesus' return it will be. Yeah. So that takes faith, yeah. right, that the Holy Spirit sees what we don't see, knows we don't know, and in obeying what the Holy Spirit says, He knows how it's going to actually expand the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And and this is the key, again, we're saying, is that God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thought, thoughts. So if we try to just frame the person in work and, and, and work of the Holy Spirit 
as one thing, right? So the way God the God wants to reach more people is only revival, mm-hmm. and then it's got to be this kind of revival mm-hmm. or whatever. If it's only one-on-one witnessing mm-hmm. or whatever, anytime you we do that, we're moving away from actually the dynamic of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. That the king knows how to expand his kingdom. He just wants us to obey what he speaks. Yeah. And so, you know, whether it leads outwardly visible quickly yeah. or whether not, <laughs> every seed of the kingdom in obedience to the spirit will lead to a harvest. Amen. Every everyone. And um Amen. You know, it's obviously easier for us when we see it. But Jesus promised in Matthew 16, as he taught his disciples and implies throughout the epistles to us, he says, I am coming and my rewards are with me. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Well, Pastor Chad, as spirit-filled people, we got to be flexible. And I guess my final challenge to the listeners today is that try not— Try really hard not to put your life, your ministry into someone else's mold. Is that God's plan for you is unique. It's different than anybody else. So don't try to be someone else. The Spirit has unique designs. And oh, there's so much we're saying here. We could go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But the unique designs, and we will flesh more of this out, but the unique designs that God has put on each person and and But see, it goes back to it. Peter would have never saw his ministry doing what his ministry did because he had been conditioned to only know what it is he had known and seen with his eyes and grew up in. Correct. That's why you and I, all of us, need to hear from the Spirit. Correct. How in the world am I ever going to see other options outside of what I've just seen people do before me unless I hear from the Spirit? Correct. I'm not. People, how many, how many, you have probably a, hundred times more than me because of your years in young adult ministry and human but how many times do people come to say i'm called and instantly once they say the spirit has called me that means i'm going to be that preacher on stage and have me a church and because that's all that they had seen Only at that point in their life seen. correct correct so man we need the holy spirit to speak to yes, us correct and listening to the spirit will take you to people in places you never thought you'd go and so I guess that's my part. I, that's the way we'll end, is that, Lord, make us... What we need in the kingdom is provided. That's the beauty. Sons of Issachar in the book of Genesis, they knew Israel, what Israel should do. They knew mm-hmm. their times. We need The voice of the Holy One is summoning us, all of us, not just us, all oh, of yeah. us, to yeah. listen to His voice. And um, I guess that's how we'll pray today's episode. We'll just pray out. And um, we hope you've enjoyed this conversation. A lot to talk about, a lot to divulge, a lot to discuss. And uh, certainly we'll continue on in episode three. But if you're able to, um, Pastor Chad, you want to? You want to just pray for people today? Sure. And and just ask it. We would just be open again to the leadership and the, the speech of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Well, Father, we, we thank you for Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that you said your sheep know your voice. And you poured out the Holy Spirit who testifies and reveals all that the Father has given you, Lord Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray for brothers and sisters that you would attune our heart and our ears to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Lord, uh, the frequency is a frequency of surrender and trust, of saying, I have no need to be fearful and scared to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit 
if I love Jesus, if I want people to know Jesus, if I want to see him glorified, well, that's why the Spirit was given and has fully come in the new covenant. So, Lord, remove uh, wrong ideas and wrong pictures, uh, even experiences that's happened before that's tried to frame them or limit them or make them resistant to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Just bring healing to those that need healing first, Lord. Their heart would be healed in Jesus' name so that they're willing to present their ears to you. Lord, in the Old Covenant, the priests, Lord, you would have the blood applied to their right ear, and then the oil would be applied. So, Lord, I thank you because of the blood of Jesus, the blood that you shed, Lord, it cleanses our brothers and sisters so that now the oil, the ministry of the Holy Spirit can lead them and guide them. We thank you for this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen, Pastor Chad. Well, listen, my friend. If you're and we're believer, all priests. That's right. Right now we're all in priests, the New, priests, New Testament. We are the priesthood. If you're watching today, thank you. You've been a blessing. Listen, if you're a believer in Jesus, you got nothing to prove and no one to impress. You are loved by God. We hope you're blessed. That's it. Be, get, be sure to share the podcast, and we'll see you here next time. Lead Talks That's with right. the Craigs. Lead Talks with the Craigs. God, God bless you.